Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back. So we're going to finish where we left off yesterday, and I have great news. Julie and I are both feeling a lot better today. Uh, you know, it's funny. We grew up in Columbus, Ohio, um, you know, and uh, the winter was always full of horrible weather and snow and clouds. It just made it so depressing to live there and the whole thing. And you had to leave occasionally and take lots of vitamin D or you'd feel really depressed. And I mean, you guys are living through that now. You know what I'm talking about. So Julie and I thought, well, let's move to a place where there really is no effect, effectively no winter. And so we ended up in Texas. And guess what day you get in the winter in Texas? You get the nastiest um, pollen that you can possibly ever imagine. And those of us who are not from Texas originally have no immunity to it. And so for the first time in our lives, we get the worst kick-butt allergies. It's called cedar fever. Texans know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, winter has its pleasures no matter where you live. It's, guys, I guess the message that I'm trying to share with all of you. Julie, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you, and you're right. And the first year we lived here, I don't think we knew about it, and it was just nope. very strange to all of a sudden feel really horrible in January and February, which are really some of the nicest weather months that Texas has. It's not blazing hot. And uh, then somebody said, see that orange stuff floating in the wind when the wind blows? See that orange stuff? dust on the top of your car that's pollen and that'll make you miserable so start taking some drugs yeah so there you have it but yes yeah. we're starting not, to fight it it is a real thing yes that's right so anyway there you go and you can't escape it it is what it is welcome to be welcome to planet earth all right so we're talking about scarcity versus abundance so in texas right now there's an abundance of cedar pollen <laughs> Okay, I wish there was a scarcity of it. But Julie wrote some wrote down a lot of great notes. But before we get uh, to the next point, I want to um, update a couple of you, or actually a lot of you. We did a uh, podcast on ten things to look for when choosing a broker, and I asked you guys to email me if you wanted to be invited to um, the uh, sort of the private VIP thing that we're going to do a mastermind on how to choose a broker, because Julie and I had done a bunch of research on different things, and we got frankly, a lot more replies um, than I expected. So it tells me that there's a lot more interest in this particular topic than I imagined. So here's what's going to happen next. Those of you who have emailed me, you're going to be getting an email invitation. Uh, those of you who have not emailed and you want to be emailed an invitation, you have to email me. How about that? It's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And um, in the subject line, just put VIP uh, broker mastermind, and I'll send you an invitation. And so we're going to do it this week. We might do it um, early next week, but we're hoping to do it this week. It's going to be probably 45 minutes, and we're going to take you through what Julie and I see as being the best possible situation. Like a lot of you guys, it's probably you know, we, it's probably one of our top three questions. It is for sure. It, when is it time to choose a broker? How do I go about choosing a broker for the first time? Those of you who are new licensees. Um, you know, when's the time to switch brokerages, all these types of questions. And the other one is, of course, should I become a broker or when's a good, how do I know that it's not uh, in it uh, for me to be a broker any longer? A lot of people are wanting to no longer be a broker because they're realizing being a broker just makes you broker. It's pretty much one of the oldest real estate jokes ever, but it's true. 
So um, we're, this podcast, or rather the VIP Mastermind we're going to do, we're going to be going through essentially all the things that we've learned from coaching brokers and office managers and all the rest of it. And we're going to tell you what we see as being pretty much the only path forward or one of the best paths forward, I should say, depending on your situation um, for the brokerage model. And then we'll give you guys the tools, the individual agents, the tools to go about selecting the right brokerage for you for the long run. There are some clear winners that are forming that we think are going to revolutionize the industry like never before. It's funny, um, people make bold statements like that all the time, and they're mostly coming out of the, you know, the tech companies or talking about you know this advancement or that advancement but the truth is is that they never really are out for the benefit of agents they're always out for the benefit. they claim they're well you know Zillow we're going to develop a consumer website and it's going to be a great place for people to search and get real estate information well they really did it but the backbone of it is selling you guys buyer leads is that really an evolution or some sort of positive advancement in the real estate industry I think many people at this point would argue that it wasn't and so if you kind of go through all the little technology companies that have come about, most of them really weren't, uh, didn't significantly move the needle for any agents. Um, you could maybe argue that maybe some of the social networking and ads and whatnot uh, had a positive effect. I think that's probably true. But it's overall, if you think about it, the thing that matters most really in your, in your real estate business is the broker you choose where you hang your license. It's pretty much the most important thing. You make a bad choice there, you're not going to, you know, you're going to leave money on the table. You're going to also maybe possibly make it so that your business isn't as viable as it otherwise would have been, depending on the overall support structure that the broker um, offers you. So these are important decisions, really, really critical decisions. Um, and we're going to be laying out what we feel to be the best practices that we've come across uh, for choosing a broker or all the other scenarios I laid out for you guys as well. Any other announcements, Julie? Yeah, no, just a special welcome and shout out to all of our great new premier coaching members as well as our elite one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. You guys are doing a good job exchanging uh, referrals and things on the Facebook page and, of course, participating at a very high level on our daily live coaching calls, which happen right after this podcast every weekday. So we're covering a lot of ground there. And, you know, it helps a lot for you guys to hear from each other across the country, not just different marketing ideas and finding, you know, role play partners and that sort of thing, but also some of the shifts in the market where a few of you are still in pretty hot markets, but you're hearing from markets right next to you that are very similar, that we're seeing a little bit longer days on the market, fewer multiple offers, a little bit harder negotiations. Buyers are getting a little bit more control over the inspection process. That's a common theme that we're hearing. So sometimes on that premier live call, we're doing a little what I call diagnostics on situations that are happening, you know, sellers that you have to handle and sometimes even other agents. So we cover a lot on that daily call. It's different every day. It's live, so I never know. You know, it, it might be a few newbie questions. It might be a lot of grizzled veterans dealing with more inventory than they've had in a long time. So I just wanted to shout out and, and uh, thank all of you guys for participating and really taking advantage of what that coaching program offers. So I'm proud of them for – maybe it's because it's towards the beginning of the year, everybody's remotivated, but they're doing a really good job. That's my shout-out. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shout-out. Um, and remember, guys, we're getting a, a lot of requests for people uh, for us to come to your office or your, um, you know, sometimes it's a, a uh, like a CRS meeting or something like that. We are always interested in opportunities, but we also have a small army of coaches that would also um, welcome opportunities to come to you and speak and present. There's a lot of 
um, demand right now for people to learn about how to not just survive but thrive in the changing and the shifting market. A lot of you are waking up, coming out of your winter slumbers or will be soon, as soon as the snow melts, and you're going to be realizing that the real estate landscape has really changed, and you need to adapt, and you need to adapt fast. So if you need extra help with that, please remember uh, we do have um, the ability to come to you. So just email me directly, and I'll connect you with the right people. It's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And for those of you who have not gotten your 2019 and really it should also apply to 2020 business plan done, remember you can easily get a copy of our free book, Real Estate Treasure Map. Um, it's a fill-in-the-blank business plan. It's not a lightweight business plan. It's going to take you through all the personal and business aspects of your life. And the one thing that uh, Julie wrote most of the book, no big surprise, those of you know who, uh, who Julie's a great ability to write, and uh, she did a fantastic job of helping you guys take your goals and break them down into tactical, practical plans for accomplishment of those goals. Goals by themselves are really pretty useless. Goals with a plan, goals with an action plan, goals with a date where they have to be completed by, goals where you have broken down the big goal into small goals so you can see yourself accomplishing the small goals towards the, uh, you know, obviously the reaching of the big goal. That's what the real estate treasure map is all about. And it goes through all your personal finances. It goes through, helps you figure out your net worth, helps you figure out your real estate magic number. It's really a complete um, one-stop book, if you will, for all the questions that you have about your real estate business and what direction you should be going and where you need to be focusing. So that book is free for you. And we also include um, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. And there's five other books you get for free. They're all you know digital downloaded. You don't have to wait for them to arrive. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And uh, yeah, just request um, your free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. And just by doing so, you'll be given all the books. So Julie, where did we leave off yesterday? Yes, I think we were talking about uh, things to ask yourself if you practice or you're doing some bad habits perhaps, which would be an indication of having a scarcity mindset. And some of you will answer yes to only a few of these. Some of you, it's become a lifestyle, and others of you have conquered a lot of this. So ask yourself to be introspective on this. Do you fall into any of these scarcity tendencies? So we'll, I won't reiterate the previous ones because they can get caught up on uh, previous podcast, realestatecoachingradio.com. So we'll start with uh, point number seven, scarcity tendency. You're always doing free training and 30-day free trials versus investing in actual education and actually implementing. You are virtually uncoachable if you're somebody that does this. You believe that online free scripts are good enough. And then you try them, and then you decide that scripts suck because they didn't work for you. That's an element of a scarcity mindset. It's an indication you don't think there's enough to go around. It's a bad habit. So, yes, those in, in coaching, we call you guys samplers. You go around and you, you take little bites out of things, try it out, kind of dabble in it a little bit without ever really implementing or <clears throat> excuse me, doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. The highest level part is not just dabbling with a new spoke or you know, avenue of lead generation. It's actually getting really great at it. It's studying it. It's becoming a specialist at that particular thing. So for example, maybe you door knocked a for sale by owner once or twice, and maybe it didn't go that great. You didn't take the listing. Maybe they were a little bit gruff with you. You didn't really use a script. It didn't really turn into anything. And you walked away saying, well, they were overpriced anyway. That's not implementing a spoke. 
that's just kind of sampling something with a scarcity mindset that it wasn't going to work out anyway. You see the difference? Versus somebody saying, you know what, if I'm going to invest in this, I'm going to study everything there is, I'm going to get a role play partner, I'm going to go to free coaching calls for agents.com and ask good questions about what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm going to see what I need to do to get great at it, not just to screw around with it. So if you are a free training, 30-day free trial abuser, you may have a scarcity mindset. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Not that we ever see that going on or anything like that. People that go to seminars constantly, people that are constantly signing themselves up to oh, go yeah. to whatever, you know, a snake oil salesman Alphabet is coming to town. Collectors. Yes, exactly. Well, that's the other thing. A lot of people that just get, well, I mean, there are a lot of people that just basically get designations and never do anything with the training they received. That's pretty common. Yeah. You know, it's all part of the same thing. Results in no accomplishment of any goal, really no significant moving forward of your life, business, or professional in any way. That's what we're talking about. And then they they blame the, the thing, right? It wasn't really anything wrong with the designation itself. It was the lack of action as a result of what you did. So that's a scarcity mindset. Point number eight, you're skeptical. Everyone is just out to make a buck versus trying to help you or support you or provide a legitimate service to you. You already know everything anyway. And I have to say, I think you would agree with this, Tim, that that skeptic's mindset is more prevalent in more experienced agents that have kind of been around the block a little bit. They, you know, they just think that everything is against them and it's like too good to be true, that kind of thing. So when you enter something as a skeptic, you're less likely to be successful at it, right? So it's the difference between you go on a listing presentation and you've done your homework and you followed the seven-step process and you believe that this is a great listing for you and you're able to help these people versus going to that same listing and thinking, well, you know, it's probably not going to work out anyway. They're kind of, you know, probably won't hit it off with them and they're going to want too much anyway. They're going to probably beat me up on commission. So, you know, I'll just get it over with. (laughs) You know, that's the skeptic that it's not going to work out for you. That's a scarcity mindset. It's almost like hiding out from success in a way. So point number nine and this is related to all of this, you tend to be a grudge holder. It's also never your fault ever for any reason. In uh, Ryan Holiday's uh, book, Ego is the Enemy, he talks about this being like, uh, he calls it narcissistic injury, when you take like one event that maybe went sideways on you, and you make it your theme, like, you know, the grudge holding thing. Somebody's out to get you, the world is against you, you're a grudge holder, you can't let it go. I've, it was funny, you know, Zoe's deep into this Frozen song, Let It Go. <laughs> and it's funny how many times that song pops up when people are dealing with situations where they're just trying to let it go because it is a really fun, you know, much as it's torturing me with a brain worm right now, it is a great uplifting song of, you know, just let it go. <laughs> you don't have to make some deal that went sideways your thematic, you know, thing for the year. It, it, people like that are, are very whole, hard to coach. So you've got to just say next instead. And we're, we're going to do two more kind of negative-ish points about the scarcity because it's Julie, exhausting to even point, to present though, it, and then we'll, then we'll change. Yeah, go ahead. To that point, why do people choose to hold on to things? And, you know, why do choose to be, in Julie's earlier point, why, are people, why do people choose to be skeptics? Let's just drill down on that just for a second so you guys can be a little introspective. People choose to hold on to things, and people choose to be skeptics. They result in the same thing, right? Lack of action. They're doing that to protect themselves. They're doing that to keep themselves, I, I was going to say, keep themselves from being challenged. But I would say the real 
way of understanding it is they, they are fearful that what they're going to discover is that what they're doing isn't working anymore, then they have to learn something new. In other words, they are absolutely fearful of change. And so the change is going to happen whether they want it to happen or not. But what they're going to do is they try to be skeptics about whatever it is that they're listening to, whatever it is that they're, you know, someone's trying to help them understand. The old lesson, you know, the old Chinese proverb, there's, when there's a lesson to learn, uh, a teacher will arise. And you guys ever notice sometimes you just discover something, and it's like the greatest epiphany ever. Oh, my God, where did this come from? Why, haven't I, why didn't I discover this 20 years ago? And then later you realize that the information was always there. You just weren't ready to – I mean, literally, it could have been right in front of you. You just weren't ready to learn it. I've had those experiences before. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had exposure to things that at the time I was exposed to them. It didn't really click with me. And then at a certain moment for, you know, who knows what reason, I was completely and totally receptive to it. You guys have experienced that as well. But what happens is if you spend too much of your time being a no person, too much of your time being a skeptic, too much of your time – just in that sort of realm, you are doing that because you're just trying to build a, ca- a wall around your th- way you think, a wall around your specific, you know, we're real estate coaches, we're business coaches, so a wall around your, what you think to be the perfect system, I don't need to change anything, my skills are good enough. Julie and I made that mistake when we sold real estate. We'd quickly gone from, you know, zero to hero in the real estate industry. We, you know, our first year we sold over 100 houses in our early 20s, and we always sold between 100 and 200 homes, and our revenue kept on increasing, and everything was, you know, and then what we did is we stopped learning. We basically walled ourselves up. We stopped reading books. We did that for probably 18 to 24 months, and then our business plateaued. Hey, Julie, stop making noise. And our business plateaued. Yeah, I think it's you. It's got to be something chewing on you. I'm going to dial back in. No, I'll okay. dial back in. Something's wrong with the line. Okay, no problem. Yeah, so so that's what happens to all of us. And you can do that in the gym, too. Like I see people, when we, Julie and I go to Orange Theory, where you'll see them basically, they've plateaued. They've decided, you know, they're only going to, their maximum speed that they're ever going to run at is like five. And then they never do anything more than that. That's it. That's as far as they're going to push themselves. They're never going to do more than that. And I'll tell you a little, guys, a little trick. I had I had a coaching call with a lady who was a top producer. I think it was in Missouri or something. I don't remember what state. And she was hiring us for one particular reason. Her business had plateaued, and she was looking for ways to increase the volume. She's looking for ways to increase the number of listings. She's looking for ways to basically take her business to the next level. And she couldn't figure out why she was always essentially ending the year at the exact same spot. It wasn't a difficult conversation. It wasn't something that we had to spend a lot of time doctor filling to try to figure out. Um, she sent us pictures of her office, and I noticed right away that her dry erase boards, she had gotten, you know, she had set her office up like the way we suggest you set it up, and her dry erase boards under the word listings had like 1 through 25. For a lot of you guys, 25 listings would be fantastic, but in her particular market, that, I mean, that was just going to get a very predictable result. And then on the other side, there was the closings board, and it was written in permanent marker 1 through 50. You guys see what she'd done? She psychologically set herself up to have a maximum of 25 listings and have a maximum of 50 closings. She didn't even see it. She was in this environment every single day. She walked in. Her brain was seeing, I need to sell 50 houses this year for like the third year in a row. And she was calling us to ask, why couldn't I sell more than you know, 50 houses? Why am I plateauing? And Julie and I were able to look in her office through these pictures she sent us and realize that she had set 
limiting – she had essentially was wor- living in a world of limiting beliefs, of essentially a system that she would put around herself to keep herself in this nice little complacent zone. And so we, you know, the dry erase boards got cleaned off. We renumbered everything. The listings went to 50. The uh, closings went to 100. Now, she did not sell 100 the following year, but she did the year after that. And the reason was is because she removed her self-limiting beliefs about what she was capable of. She removed her own glass ceiling. Julie, does that make sense? Yeah, and we've seen that not just with her, but time and again, when you get into those habits, and sometimes they're really great habits that have given you a predictable result. I see this particularly in the 5 to $8 million volume producers, and I would say, again, right around 13 to $15 million, where you figured out how to do that like five years in a row, and you feel stuck. It's not a terrible place to be stuck at. You're certainly paying your bills and having some cool vacations, but you probably still owe on your mortgage. You probably are carrying some credit card debt, and your retirement fund probably it doesn't look like it, it should, and you want to do some maybe rental properties and stuff like that. In order for you to make that breakthrough, you've got to change your ways. You've got to upgrade your thinking, your mindset, your skills, and probably a lot of other stuff too. And that's where coaching comes in is to help you break through because when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it, it's really hard to see that around yourself, especially in those, those uh, types of uh, volume ranges because you are doing deals, right? You're busy. You're handling stuff. So it's very easy to get stuck in the weeds. The agents that break out of that are the ones who get out of their own way and get back into a mindset of abundance and change some habits. So back to our scarcity tendencies. We have two more points, and then we'll, we'll turn the ship around to be more positive. Point number 10 in the scarcity bucket, you feel the world owes you, and somehow you're being cheated. You are perceived as negative and even angry. And I think maybe this isn't a lot of our podcast listeners, but sometimes you guys deal with that on the other side of your deals, maybe a family member's this way. There are people who walk around with this whole world owes me type of thing going on. Um, I, I've seen another kind of odd phenomenon, and I, I, I'm not sure this is a scarcity thing. It's just a weird thing that uh, a lot of, uh, of our coaching clients are saying, especially amongst millennials, like they don't believe that uh, when a lender asks them for their paperwork, they don't really believe that it's required. They think they just are supposed to get a loan, <laughs> right? Isn't that weird? And, and they'll sit on it, and they'll, they'll kind of blow it off. I've seen this like six or eight times in the past month. So that's a little bit of the world owes you type of thing, and they probably don't even know it. It's probably not just millennials, but that's what I've been hearing about. So round out the bend with point number 11. You hate doing what you don't have to do when you don't want to do it, and rarely do it at a high level if you do it at all. So all scarcity. It's exhausting to even talk about being scarcity-minded. So do these 11 points deplete you the way it depletes us to present them? Imagine what it's like to have a few coaching calls in a row like that. So it's our job to move you forward so that you'll never – and you won't catch our coaches getting into this kind of the mud with you. We are moving you forward. Failure is not an option. It's only a matter of how much success and how quickly we can get you out of scarcity. So we want to get into the good stuff, and we're probably going to run out of a little bit of time, but I'll ramp it up so we can do this tomorrow. Abundance mindset. 
Okay, so we started out with what Stephen Covey wrote about scarcity. I'm going to do a quick quote from him about abundance. He wrote, the abundance mentality, on the other hand, flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth and security. It's the paradigm that there is plenty out there and there's enough to spare for everybody. It results in sharing of prestige, of recognition, of profits, of decision-making. It opens possibilities, options, alternatives, and creativity. So when you have a mindset of abundance, you believe and you operate knowing that there is enough for everyone. Isn't that a relief just even to hear that after talking about scarcity for two podcasts? It is for me to say it. Your core belief centers on being of service to others. You know in your heart of hearts that when you help enough people at a high enough level that you always will have an abundance of income. Tim, what you're saying about that, if you haven't yet got what you need out of life, it's because you haven't figured out how to help enough people at a high enough level. It really is that simple. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You said it perfectly. <laughs> that no, is the bottom I mean, line. They make it too hard. I, th I think a lot of this consternation is kind of getting into a rut and getting making things too hard. I heard you, I think you were on a coaching call with somebody the other day, and you were talking, or maybe it was one of the coaches you were coaching about coaching, that oftentimes people in general, but certainly agents, spend more energy in avoidance of the skills and upgrades they need to do than what it would take to actually do the work. Well, it's that is a hard to thing to. It. It's yeah. a hard thing to explain because most of you have built your lives around never doing what you uh, what you should be doing. You literally, uh, it's it's the old thing. If you're not hearing the word no five times a day, you're not really doing your job. In other words, in real estate, if you're not positioning yourself to hear the words no, not from your kids or your dog or your wife, but actual potential customers then you're not doing your job. That's the word no for many of you. You avoid it like the plague. You have never heard the word no, ever. Never, ever, ever would you ever put yourself in a position to hear the word no. And so it goes back to most of us are designing our lives around essentially never doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You're doing the exact opposite of what you intuitively know you should be doing. And then it gets worse because you surround yourself with other people that are doing the exact same thing. They're living, living this, self, this limited self-imposed lifestyle. We did a podcast a long time ago, and we should probably do it again, Julie. You know, 10 things every uh, old realtor wish, wish they would have known or something like that. It was a really good topic. Yes. And one of them was, I think, like point number 10, was they wished they would have um, did what they didn't want to do and they didn't want to do it at the highest level when they were younger. Because the accumulation effect of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level makes all the difference. And to what Julie's point was, is when you have this, and you guys don't know it because most of you have never experienced the other side of it. But when you live a life where you're intuitively knowing that you're not doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level, when you, you know you had a lead you didn't follow up on, when you drove past a for sale by owner, when you could have done a better job, when you could have maybe not eaten what you ate and you could have spent more time, you could have gone, you guys get my point? When you have this, accumul this negative accumulation of knowingly not doing what you should have done, knowingly not been of service to other people, that actually is more stress and more work after a very short period of time than actually having done it. It's easier, it's a much more joyous life when you actually do the three to five things that you're supposed to do every single day at the highest level um, because at the end of the day, you feel wonderful because you know you did what you were supposed to do. 
You know you did what you didn't want to do and you didn't want to do at the highest level, and you got it done, and you do not carry around the omnipresent stress. When you see people, like there's that Facebook 10-year challenge thing going on, you know, what you looked like on Facebook 10 years ago versus today, some of those people look like they aged like a billion years. And I think a lot of it has to do with exactly what I just said. The accumulation of knowing day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that you let another day go by, year go by, that you let yourself not fulfill your dreams. If you decided, well, you know what, I don't need to, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm good driving this 20-year-old Camry. You know, I'm good living in this house that's about to fall over. I, I don't, you know, maybe when I was, you know, 10 years, 15, 20 years younger, I always saw myself walking around in Egypt and whatever the hell your dreams were when you were younger. But now you've just forgotten about them and you're okay watching the History Channel or, you know, reading National Geographic. You guys get my point? So what happens is, is the feeling of not having lived up to your own potential is what causes a lot of us to prematurely age, what causes a lot of us to be miserable in little tiny bits of misery, not just constant miserable, but little tiny bits of miserable. You know, why don't you guys just seriously consider for this year, for the rest of your lives, really, adopting the mindset of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. What you'll be surprised by is how natural and intuitive it feels when you start acting like that because it's how you were designed, by the way. You are designed literally to do work. You are designed literally to help other people. That's how you are designed. You are not designed to be complacent. You are not designed your, – your health will go to hell, as many of you already know, if you do not physically challenge your body on a regular basis. Your health will go to hell, psychological health will go to hell, if you do not mentally and emotionally challenge yourself on a regular basis. And every aspect of you wants to improve. Every single molecular little everything inside of you wants to get better. But how many of you listening to us right now, literally, there's no, I won't say literally again, I promise, but how many of you actually spend a vast majority of your time trying to never do anything to really try to improve yourself? And I mean in a very overt, determined, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to do it type of way. How many of you have never, in maybe your entire adult lives, really moved the needle in a significant way? You look back about, you know, on your past 20 or 30 years, and you can name five or six times, maybe three times, where you actually put yourself in a position of being uncomfortable and you can see a noticeable improvement in yourself. But you didn't do it again because you were afraid. Maybe you didn't have direction. Who knows what your excuse was? But now you're older. And you're realizing that there's probably more days behind you than in front of you. And you're starting to feel that omnipresent sense of regret. Why are you going to allow – you think that regret feeling is going to get stronger or weaker? Do you think your desires to do these things are going to go away? They don't. And what happens is over time you just don't forgive yourself for it. That's what we see sometimes when we get coaching calls with people. They always tell us – I mean you can hear it in their voices – that they wish they would have done – what they were, you know, avoiding doing when they were in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their, in some cases their 60s. Because now that they're in their 70s and then their 80s, we, we had a coaching client, I think she was 86. Now, she was wonderful, by the way. She was actually a really great, you know, very together person. But some of you guys who have created these worlds for yourself, you don't realize where that's going to go. 
it goes back to what Julie and I, we this little, I mean, we just kind of fell into it. It's a thing that we started saying to each other. Like when you're enjoying something today, be it a house, be it, a, you know, something, maybe a new car or even a cup of coffee, that's because the past version of you produced that through the current version of you. What are you doing right now to create something so the future version of you is thanking the current version of you? And look, I'm not just talking about a cup of coffee. How about that trip to Egypt? How about that new Ferrari? How about donating a bunch of money to whatever you want to donate the money to? How about paying off your house? You guys get the point? This is where the scarcity versus abundance thing comes in. And when you surround yourself with other people that have the scarcity mindset, and nobody wears a T-shirt that says, I have the scarcity mindset, but you can hear it. You know, oh, you've got to stop and smell the roses. Well, that's a scarcity mindset comment, believe it or not. Oh, you've got to slow down. Oh, why do you need all that? Oh, you don't, you're working too hard. Scarcity mindset. Oh, what, you can't sit around and eat nachos and watch you know, 14 hours of football with me on this Sunday? Scarcity mindset. You understanding what we're saying here, guys? I know you do. I mean, this is the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals, and we have a lot of non-real estate professionals that listen as well. So we must be making an impact on most of you. Do something with this, guys. You're never going to hear it. I have never – Julie and I really, really take a lot of time of trying to say things plainly and practically. We don't want to make things sound mystical. We don't want to things, make things sound fake spiritual. We don't want to start using all those woo-woo words and – you know, all that mystical Mickey Mouse talk that everyone seems to be attracted to. We want to have you realize that the bottom line is, is your highest and truest purpose on this planet is being of service to other people. That is how you are designed. And if you do not enjoy the abundance in your life, health, wealth, everything, whatever defining, you know, however you define the word abundance, if you're not enjoying those things at the highest level, it's because you have not accepted the fact that you have to be of service to enough people in order to experience that abundance. If you see somebody driving past you in a new car or you drive through a neighborhood with a bunch of beautiful houses and you see the family out playing with their golden retriever or whatever and you feel jealous or you feel envious or whatever the sort of dark feeling is that you allow to manifest within yourself, you need to realize that that person or that couple or that family have put themselves in a position to help more people at a higher level than you have. That's the bottom line. They're doing more to make a contribution to fellow humans than you are. And that's the reason that they're justly rewarded. That's as simple and as difficult as it needs to be. That removes all the politics. That removes all the drama. That removes all the, you know, the emotions that are associated with money. You guys get it? That's it. That's as pure as it can be. Listen, if there's anything we can do for you, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.